Good morning again. I hope that you came this morning with the attitude of Christ in your hearts. If not, my prayer is that you will leave that way. And in a few moments, you'll understand why I made that statement. Our text this morning is found in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Two Sundays ago was Super Bowl Sunday. And last Sunday was Valentine's Sunday. So I thought, well, there must be something special about Sunday, February the 21st. And I searched and searched the Internet, and the only thing that I could find that happened on this date happened in 1931 when Alka-Seltzer was introduced. <laughs> and this morning, we're going to look from God's Word about the attitude of Christ and why it is so very important to how we live our Christian lives and how we walk and lead every single day. An attitude is a character trait that forms the foundation upon which we make most of our decisions, relate to other people, and walk the daily life. It's very important. And in God's Word, we find many examples to contrast God's attitude to the attitude of man with pride, with fear, and with selfishness. And look at the difference in the attitude that we see in Scripture between King Saul and his army and that of David as they looked at that big Philistine giant, Goliath, and wondered, what in the world are we going to do? And Saul and his army took a big look at him and they had a defeatist attitude when they said, he's just too big for us. We can't win. They had a defeated attitude before they ever started. But look at David's attitude. David had experienced what God had done in his life previously. When he had been with him, when he slayed the lion and the bear as they attacked him. So David had that kind of experience with God. And he had a trust in God. And those two things formed his attitude with the resultant actions that he took. And I think David probably looked up at big Goliath and he said, that sucker's so big I can't miss him. And you know what he said to Goliath? We find that in 1 Samuel 17, 46. He said, This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down. Now, turn to our text this morning in Philippians 2. We're going to focus most of our attention on verse 5. But we're going to look at 6 through 8, which Paul used to define what he meant in verse 5. Beginning in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul knew and used many examples throughout his letters that the most perfect example that he could use was the life of Jesus Christ himself. And that is exactly what he did here in this passage. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And Paul very carefully selected the word have, and he used the verb tense of a command, not a suggestion. Have this in your lives. And what Paul was really saying here was that you have to follow Christ's example and be like him when it comes to your attitude, and here's why. And that's what we see now in verses 6 through 8, where Paul describes the three traits of Jesus' character and attitude. And if you will look with me at verse 6, because there are three of them, unselfish, humble, and obedient. And in verse 6, we see the unselfishness, because Christ already existed as God. That was not even a question. He existed as God before the incarnation. And here, he existed as God before he released his personal rights as God and came to unselfishly live on the earth for you and for me. And then look in verse 7. We see humility because he emptied himself by adding humanity and taking on the human nature of man himself. And it says here, a bondservant. He didn't become just a man. He didn't become just a servant. He became a bondservant. And a bondservant was the lowest classification in the entire Roman culture. And then look at verse 8. Both obedience and, again, humility. He says he was obedient to his father. He was also obedient to his father's mission for you and me to save us from our sins. He humbled himself to death, death on a cross. And death on a cross was the penalty that was reserved only for the worst of all criminals. Well, have this attitude in yourselves. And what did Paul mean by that in verse 5 when he made it as a commandment? Well, attitude is our mindset. It's our method and mind of thinking. It's our disposition toward a circumstance, a trial, a situation, or even a person. And attitude is really the paintbrush of our mind that we color everything that we think and do in life with that paintbrush. And we have a choice. We can have a good attitude. I once had a pastor that said, if you've got a bad attitude, just get a good one. But we can have a bad attitude or a good attitude, a pessimistic attitude or an optimistic attitude or a positive or a negative attitude. And that's reflected in the people that you see and meet and interact with every day. If I see John Maurer 
That's Mr. Positive all the way. And I want to wave at him and say, hey, John, how you doing? Because I know that that's the response I'm going to get back. But you know, there are a few people that are Mr. and Mrs. Gloom and Doom. And if I see them coming down the hallway, I'm going to try to find the nearest classroom, run in there, shut the door, lock the door, and turn the lights out. We don't want to be around them. Gloom and doom. And that's not what Jesus is talking about, not what Paul was describing in his life here. Attitude has another side to it because it's also what people hear and see in our lives. It's what our lives are saying to them. And it's what we are exhibiting to them of who Jesus Christ is in our own lives. Well, attitude is more, though, than just our mindset or our disposition. Because it drives our decisions. Our decisions toward a situation, toward a circumstance, toward other people, and even toward God. And some people get angry and bitter against God when bad things happen to them. And unfortunately, some will turn their back on God at the very time that they need Him the most. Well, the question is, how's Christ's attitude lived out in us? Well, that's pretty easy to determine. And our attitude reflects whether or not we're walking in the Spirit. Yes, some days are going to be much better than others because we feel better. We're on the mountain, or we can be on the other side. But it depends on some of the things that are around us. But the real question comes, in any situation, do people see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? That is how we tell if we're walking in the Spirit. And in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine of them. Against which there is no law. I don't have much trouble with most of them. But there are three of them that really give me trouble. Because I'm a flaming type A. And I'm a perfectionist, and I like to take on the competition and play to win. So which of those three gives me trouble? Patience, kindness, and gentleness. And if you don't believe me, ask Kathy. <laughs> I can't live those out on my own. And the only way that they can be predominant and a fruit of the Spirit in my life is for me to humble myself and to submit myself to God's Holy Spirit to God's Holy Spirit. And my guess is this morning, I'm being honest. If you're honest, can you keep all nine of those every day? It's a good question. Walking in God's Spirit. And those are attitudes that we cannot generate ourselves. And we can only have them predominant in our life and living out the attitude of Christ by allowing God's Word God's Holy Spirit, and God's Son to permeate our lives. A number of years ago, there was this fad about making sun tea. And you'd buy this big gallon glass container. You'd put the tea bags in, 
you'd go sit it out in the hot sun and the sunlight and the rays from that sun and the warmth of it would cause that tea to permeate into the water. And the longer you left it out to be exposed to more of the sun, the stronger it became. It's that, our, it's that way with our Christian life and our attitudes and the fruit of the Spirit. The more we expose ourselves and allow God's light and warmth to come into our lives, the stronger that we will be. How do we tell if we're walking in the Spirit? One other way is how critical our attitude is toward the people around us, the people that we meet. I had that driven home to me one Saturday morning after a tough, tough, hard, long week and issues that kept me awake a lot on Friday night. And that Saturday morning, Kathy and our two daughters were in the kitchen and I probably already knew about my attitude and my actions that day when I heard one of my daughters ask Kathy, Mom, what's wrong with Dad this morning? Doesn't he feel good? I was not walking in God's spirit. I was not exhibiting and living out the attitude of Jesus. And I had to beg for forgiveness because I knew that I was not walking right. Well, there are two other attitudes that we deal with all the time. One is pride and one is humility. And in our text today, Paul clearly describes the humility of Christ to come as a man and to die on the cross for you and for me. And humility is not thinking less of ourself, but it's thinking of ourself less and thinking of others and particularly those that we love and those that are around us of thinking about them more than we are ourselves is to not act selfishly I had to give up golf for 20 something years because of my job demands and I just didn't want to be selfish and take that time away from one of only two days of the week that I could really spend with my family and that's where you're going to see this carried out to a high degree well, the Bible has a lot to say about attitude and an attitude of pride which actually started in the garden with Adam and Eve when they wanted to become like God. That's where it started. And it has continued to this very day. And in Proverbs 16, 8, we find these words. Pride goes before the fall and a haughty spirit before stumbling. And we see examples and evidence of this every day in business, in politics, yeah, in sports, and even in religious circles where pride goes before the fall. And Jesus had something also to say about this when he made the statement in Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Our text ended in Philippians with verse 8. But let me read you verse 9. God highly exalted him. That's after he'd humbled himself to die for you and me. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Our attitude is to be humble enough that we maintain a teachable spirit. 
Have you arrived? Are you still teachable? And if we don't have that spirit, we can become so full of pride and arrogance that God can't use us. Well, there's another attitude that we have to look at, and it's the attitude of anger. And its behaviors and its actions and consequences usually will have a total opposite attitude of that of Christ. And anger does not produce the fruit of the Spirit or the attitude of Christ. And here's a verse that every one of you in this room should memorize. Burn it into your hearts. And it's found in James 1.20. And it says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And when we have outbursts of anger, we say and do things that usually come back to haunt us. And it can even damage greatly Christ's witness in and through our lives. And thank goodness for the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And sometimes when we feel anger beginning to boil up, it's almost like God's up there with his finger about to go, it's coming. You need to get the attitude of Christ and not let that anger continue to develop into actions. A few of you have heard me relate the account I had at Discount Tire Store once. I needed new tires for my SUV. I wanted Michelins. So I go in, and as always, there's this long line. I finally get up there, and the salesman said, well, we don't have those in stock, but we've got another brand, and they're just as good. And I thought, yeah. He said, I promise you. Well, I let him put them on. I drive home, and I drive around town, and they're wobbling. Uh, well, i got to get them balanced again. They didn't do a good job. So I go back. And I say, I'm going to Hill Country tomorrow, so I need them balanced. So they balance them, take a lot more time. I go through the long line, and I go to the Hill Country and all the way up there and back, 180 miles up and 180 miles back. I have to keep my mouth closed to keep my teeth from falling out. It's wobbling so. Well, I wasn't a real happy camper. So I go back, get in the long line, finally get up there, and I said, look, these tires are just not working. He said, well, I tell you what, we've got a new machine, and I'll put my best technician on it, and after he balances, I'll have him to drive it. I said, okay, one more time. So we do, and I drive home, and we were going to Colorado the next day. And I want to tell you something. For a 1,000 miles up and a 1,000 miles back, I thought I was in one of those massage chairs in the mall. <laughs> and I got back on a Sunday night and I was over there Monday morning bright and early. And I could just feel that anger, that agitation beginning to build up. And I thought, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And all of a sudden, in that long line, a lady came up behind me, two or three more behind her, and I finally get up there. But before I do, all of a sudden, Son, you better calm down. You better get the attitude of Christ. And when I got up there, 
Only God could do this. I was nice. <laughs> and I explained to him all that I'd been through. And he said, I'm so sorry, sir. He said, let me look at something. He reached over to his computer, pulled up on the screen. He said, we now have those Michelins in stock. And I tell you what, if you'll pay the difference in the cost of tires, we'll mount them and balance them. And I was so happy. And I went over to sit down and wait again and read all the magazines I had already read. And this lady that was behind me came over and sat down next to me. And she said, you're Dean Gage, aren't you? And I said, yes. She said, well, I thought you were because two Sundays ago, I saw you give the offertory prayer at Central Baptist. It's so easy for us to lose the right attitude and the fruit of the Spirit and to damage our witness for Jesus. And I came close, but God's Holy Spirit kept me from it. Well, now let's get personal, real personal. Because you see what the attitude and mindset in your home and around your family and around the loved ones, clearly that is so critically important to you. Remember this, team spirit starts at the top. In business, we see it in sports all the time where a new coach will come in and totally change the team spirit, the winning attitude, and it permeates and infiltrates and creates a brand new environment and atmosphere for the team. And in the home, you have the responsibility to set the attitudes, the environment, and the atmosphere in that home. No one can do it for you. And your God-given family is your team to lead. No one else can do it for you. Joshua took this very, very seriously. And look at Joshua 24 and verse 15. Joshua said, Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not singular. He didn't say, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's plural. He said, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua assumed the take charge attitude as for me and my house. This verse is posted on the wall in both of our daughter's homes. And it's there to remind the whole family and any guest who come into that home that that is the culture, that is the attitude by which they will live. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And attitudes are often observed and they're accepted when we're children and they're passed on from generation to generation. There's not a one of you in this room, but what you have attitudes and traditions that are passed on from your previous parent. And you probably are passing a lot of those on to your children. They can be good and they can be bad. And I have some that I have to overcome. But there are some that I praise God that my father and mother gave me. My dad would read the Bible with us. We always had grace before every meal. And it wasn't just, just grace. It was to pray 
for what was happening. It was sincere. It was personal. And when we had a crisis in our family, we would go before we went to bed in the den to the long sofa. My dad, my mom, my brother, and I would bend on our knees, put our arms up on the sofa seats, and we would lift up whatever that issue was to God. Those are the kinds of habits and attitudes that will last a lifetime. Now, let me tell you something about attitudes. They're contagious. Just like a winning attitude is contagious. And we need to vaccinate our children against bad attitudes and infuse into them through the blood of Jesus Christ the good attitudes. And no one can do that but you. But you. It's a responsibility that's big. And I cannot stress that one enough, particularly for families here this morning with small children or small grandchildren. Because the attitudes and the atmosphere in your home, that should be something that's very important to you. And you should leave no doubt, no doubt, that together you will serve the Lord. You know, we all are aware that the cold virus and the flu virus are airborne. And you've probably seen these commercials around an elevator or in a room where this guy coughs. Ah, and this big purple cloud comes out. And that air permeates into the room. And if you're there, you're going to breathe it in. Well, we should create an environment in our homes in which that air is the Word of God. And that air is the attitude of Christ. So that everyone in that room... You don't have to put your arm up and keep it from spreading. You want it to spread because those are good attitudes. Well, I want to give you an alert this morning. If you see a change beginning to occur in your child's attitude, one of the first things that I would do if I were you is to check who their friends are. Who are they running around with? My oldest granddaughter has always had wonderful Christian friends. She's a teenager now. And several years ago, she had a friend that was in that circle that lived close by whose family did not share all of the passion for Jesus that they did. And my daughter and son-in-law began to see a change in attitude, selfishness, a little bit of disrespect, things that they did not want to see. And they knew exactly where it was coming. So they had to step in and make a tough decision to sever a relationship, a friendship. Because remember that bad company, bad attitudes will ruin good attitudes and good morals. And they understood that. And it is not easy to step in and make that kind of a decision with a teenage girl but she has tremendous friends today and her sweetness is back and you can see that difference it's a great responsibility for every one of us well the bottom line is that attitude is a personal choice it's a personal choice that we each will make look at 1 Corinthians 2 16 the end of that verse says we have the mind of Christ we have the mindset. 
we have the attitude of Christ. And having that mindset and that attitude will make all of our choices and decisions much easier. A number of years ago, people wore a little bracelet, plastic, that had WWJD. What would Jesus do? I never wore that bracelet. I did something I think even better. I ingrained it into my heart and into my mind. And even with the positions I held at A&M, the many big decisions, the tough decisions, the tough issues, the tough people, I tried to make that my attitude of decision-making every single time. And to this day, that's still burned in my mind. When it happens, I think, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And if we do what Jesus would do, we don't have to worry because that's the attitude that drives our action and our decisions. And I ask you this morning, how many lives and how many God-given talents have been wasted because of a bad attitude, because of a selfish attitude, because of an immature attitude, or maybe an attitude of entitlement. In the past several weeks, we've had a lot written about two former Aggie football greats for far different reasons. Far different reasons. And one is Von Miller. He was at the basketball game last night. And Von Miller, two weeks ago, was the MVP of Super Bowl 50. And I've done a lot of reading about Von in the last several weeks. And I found that Von had such an immature and bad attitude and got into some difficulty here that Coach Mike Sherman told him to go pack out his locker, get in his car, and go home to DeSoto. Well, somehow, Von got all the way up to Hearn, and I guess he thought about it, he better call his dad that he's coming home. And his dad told him, he said, you turn your pickup around and you go back to Aggieland, you apologize to Coach Sherman, your other coaches, and the teammates. And if you look at his performance, from that time forward, he became an All-American here. He was the Dick Buckus Defensive Player of the Year in college. And he was the number two draft pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, and two weeks ago was named the MVP of Super Bowl 50. Who am I going to contrast it to? You know exactly, Johnny Football. And he's been in the news as much as Vaughn, but for all the wrong reasons. Because his attitudes have resulted in behavior and actions that may well destroy his God-given talent and his life in the NFL. But even more important than that, and you pray for him, his own personal life. Well, there's something else that has to be looked at here. Because you see, what many people fail to realize is that our attitudes and our choices not only impact us, but they impact everyone around us. Our family, our friends, our coworkers, our teammates, and even members of our own church. So I remind you this morning of Paul's command. How this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, unselfish, humble, and obedient,
And let me tell you something. If attitudes are contagious, should we look at catching yours? Is it worth catching? Well, there is an attitude worth catching, and we read about it. And that's the attitude of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that your book, your holy word, is so full of examples, of commands, of how we are to live the Christian life. And Lord, we thank you that you will come in and live in our hearts and lives so that the fruit of the Spirit, the attitude of Christ, will permeate each and everything that we do. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that does not have that attitude in their lives because they don't know you, that this would be the very day that they would make that whole. Lord, if people are looking for a church home, I pray that they would consider that you have anointed this church and this community to live on mission for you and to share and proclaim your word. Lord, we thank you for the day. Bless it. As the instruments will play, we'll have staff here at the front. If you have a decision that you need to make for Jesus Christ, you come. They'll pray with you. They'll tell you how to accept Christ. They'll tell you about our church. But if you have any decision, you come this morning.